So welcome along to episode seven of Life Off The Stage with me, Richard Beauvoisin. My guest today is a wonderful dancer, a wonderful teacher as well. It's a lovely man we know as Methens. Episode seven. My guest today is multi-open champion, current Southwest Grandmaster and a fabulous all-round dance teacher. He's the only teacher I know who has to shorten his first and second name to just one word. Today on Life Off The Stage is the amazing Matt Evans, or he's better known, Mevans. Welcome Hello. along, Matt. <laughs> How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. It's a nice sunny day and uh, I had to shut the blinds because the sunlight was coming in too much. But uh, yeah, it's all good fun. It's all good fun. Now, as always, I have the pleasure of researching everybody that I interview. And out of everybody so far, you've been the hardest person to find out anything about. The shield is there. <laughs> it really is. It's, uh, I've seen some videos of you and Fran dancing, and you look lovely, of course. And uh, But yeah, it's very difficult to find out anything about you. So today on Life Off The Stage is definitely going to be interesting because there's lots that I need to find out as well, which is okay. all good, which is all good. So, um, so first of all, tell us about where you grew up and your current family situation then. Okay, so I uh, grew up in Bristol. I'm still pretty much in Bristol. I've just moved slightly outside to a place called Yate. Um, and yeah, family situation. I'm uh, with my partner, Fran, who's also a dancer. Um, and our two kids, who one of them has just gone to her first day of school, um, five-year-old Esme. Um, and then our youngest, Naomi, has just gone to a new nursery as well last week. So, uh, so exciting times. Did you do the classic person outside the front door picture for first day of school? I mean, I would have, but it was Fran's job to take her in because I was working this morning. Oh. But uh, yeah, I would have been there like, I, well, I would have been embarrassed, uh, embarrassing. I wouldn't have been upset or anything. I would have been like, bye, sweetie. Have a lovely day. Love you loads. And the other kids would have been like, wow, we're not going to make friends with her. No, it's uh... number one target. <laughs> It's always strange. I've, I've got four children myself and I've, I've had the pleasure of taking them all to their first day of school. Um, don't know how I've ended up doing that, but there we go. Um, yeah, and you don't, you don't want to be that embarrassing dad, do you? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'd be that bothered. No, no, I really wouldn't. I, I have a different shame threshold to most people, so I will just be, be me. Well, it's not shame threshold, it's more about where you feel comfortable being. <laughs> <laughs> I surpass my friends and family's shame thresholds because I am so comfortable <laughs> in many situations. So yeah, so I can be quite an awkward person to be around. But uh, yeah, it just means that I am confident in lots of situations where I think um, I, <laughs> I can be quite overexpressive sometimes to other people's standards. Well, I had the pleasure of seeing a doctor or a physio yesterday. And, um, and as a dancer, you needless to say, pick up some injuries over the years. And, and he said to me that, uh, you know, as a dancer, I would be very much in control of my body and be fully aware of where everything is around me. And I thought, hmm, not quite so much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I could fall over a curb. I really could. But, uh, but yeah, I've seen your dancing and you are definitely in control of your body. That I is like for to sure. Think so. <laughs> yeah, you are very much so. So do you have any siblings or anything like that? Uh, yep, my family, if you dig deep enough, goes really wide and far because there's so many divorces and remarriages and all sorts, so lots of steps and halves and uh, sort of family relatives, I don't even know what to call them. Um, but my main family is uh, older sister, mum and dad, um, and then my mum and dad have divorced and got new partners as well, so, uh, so we'll, we'll keep it simple there. Um, that, that sounds like quite a normal family, if I'm honest. It's, yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I either tell you the short version or the really long version, so it might, might be easier to, <laughs> no. to keep it short. We will keep it short for now. We'll keep it short for now. So, so you love, love Bristol, do you? How's Bristol for you? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I lived in, uh, in London for a few years as well, okay. which ironically is where I met Fran, who was living in Bristol at the time. Um, so uh, we, I moved to London. We went to a dance weekend near Bristol in Breensand. Right. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, and then we, we fell, um, and then Next. I dragged her over to London with me. So uh, she changed her job and her life and her car and everything wow. for, for me. Obviously, I, I was worth it. <laughs> and what were you doing in London then that dragged you over to London? Um, so it was, it was a bit of getting out, 
a very sheltered life. Um, and I thought, you know what, I need to break free a little bit. Um, and at the same time, I was changing career as well. So I had worked in schools as teaching assistant um, and I decided I wanted something quite fresh and new. Okay. So I went into the world of personal training. Okay. Um, and London was a good place for that. Um, and yeah, and obviously I had a few people I knew in London at the time. So yeah, it made sense to, to go over and sort of start afresh a little bit. So I've had the pleasure many times, and as have other people as well, of, um, of seeing you change your T-shirt at a dance night, shall we say. And I'll be honest, it's, it's been like looking in a mirror. It really has. Your body reflects mine in, in many ways. Um, I think I do have your body. It's just hidden by some extra padding. <laughs> It's the same, no, just mirror image. It's, it, it's exactly the same, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're a, a tad younger and maybe a tad fitter than I'm, I may be. It's, um, I have had a six-pack twice in my life. Okay. Um, so, yeah, once when I was training for the RAF and uh, another time when I was in the RAF. Um, but they were quite a long time ago now. <laughs> 25 years ago. Scary. My, but... my six-pack is a fake one. It's a suck in <laughs> and hold. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been able to claim having an actual real life, just always there, six pack. Just always there. So, so you mentioned being a personal trainer in London. So what do you do for a living now? You're a full-time dance um, teacher, what do you do? Yeah, so uh, I was doing a bit of dance teaching, uh, just casually on the side, having been asked to. Uh, and then I decided to go into personal training. Um, and obviously as a self-employed personal trainer after a while, um, I started getting sort of clients and getting more familiar with sort of selling my skills and then I started doing a bit of dance and a bit of personal training side by side so sort of private dance lessons with personal training um, and then nowadays I've sort of I'm phasing out the uh, the personal training and the fitness side of things uh, okay. and focusing more on dance I just feel like I'm spreading myself quite thin otherwise um, and it gets quite a lot to sort of keep track of everything going on so I thought you know what I'm just gonna focus on one passion um, wow. In the meantime, probably going to see this body change very dramatically. Now I'm not <laughs> in the fitness industry quite the same <laughs> before, after. So, yeah, um... You are the before, I am the after, but not in the best way. <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Um, so, so yeah, so now it's, it's exclusively dance, almost, almost. I'm just phasing out my last client now. I've got one more okay. client left in the PT world. Wow, because I've looked at your dancing and, you know, I, as you may be aware, I'm, I'm a big fan of your dancing. Um, and uh, yeah, you seem to do a lot of different styles. So, uh, so yeah, we'll come back to dancing fairly shortly. So you're a PT instructor, now a dance teacher, kind of full time. So uh, which is very nice. So what makes you laugh the most? What makes um, Mevans laugh? <laughs> anything. Um, silly things mostly. Um, if someone who I consider being a very serious straight-laced person says something quite quirky and then giggles, then that will, that will set me off. If I see something really ridiculous on TV, that will set me off. Um, um, and I, I think I laugh quite easily, so I think a lot of things do set me off. Sometimes I'm just walking along the street and something pops into my head um, from a previous conversation. Uh, usually it's something that's either really silly or really awkward. Okay. Um, and in my childhood, I hope I'm not still quite as bad, but in my childhood, I was very socially unaware. Um, and there are th there were conversations I had and probably people, numerous people I've offended by accident, just through not really picking up on the social cues or really thinking through how other people are, are sort of reading what I'm saying. Um, and sometimes I think back and I just think how awkward it was and how embarrassing it is. Um, and I just have a little giggle to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I have the, the pleasure. I have the pleasure. I, I don't talk about it particularly of being autistic, um, and it's something which I've not necessarily struggled with throughout my life, but something which a similar type of thing. I I look back on social situations and just cringe. I go back to a dinner that I used that I remember being at when I was a salesman, and uh, and yeah, I think back to the the manners that I would have had then, and it is frightening. Um, <laughs> absolutely frightening to think of how I, I was then. And uh, yeah, I, I have to work very hard on it to try and be sociably acceptable, I suppose. Um, it sounds like you suffer t similar type things. <laughs> I, I feel like I've developed social skills much later in life and much slower than most other people. But uh, I feel 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm in a place where people won't, there won't be too obvious to others. No, I've, I've never thought of you being awkward in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you're all good. So, um, so I love this question. So if you were to have dinner with four other people, who would those four people be? Now, I have to say, Simon Rich gave me the strangest four people ever. So I'm, oh, I'm intrigued okay. to see what, uh, what four people you come up with, because it's often an insight into how somebody's <laughs> mind is. So go for it. Um, I think I'm intrigued by certain famous personalities. So uh, having never seen an interview with these people or anything like that, so I don't really know, but I'd imagine Anthony Hopkins, okay. the actor, would be a really interesting person. Uh, and through his years of film experience, I think he'd have, a, you know, a lot to say. Um, and then Stephen Fry, I think, would okay. be a really interesting person. Um, I'm a bit of a Harry Potter fan. Right. And he, he reads all the audiobooks. He does. And he is just a genius. At, he will hold a conversation with four different people's voices and just they will, he will execute them back to back. And I just think it's a phenomenal skill to be able to just read four different voices back to back in character. Um, you know how, do you know how clever, how he got so clever? This, I've read Stephen Fry's books. Okay. Um, no. Do you know? Yeah. So uh, he used to read literally two or three books a day, every day throughout his entire childhood. Um, and that's where he feels he got his wealth of knowledge from and, and just wow. trained himself to be that, that clever. And he, yeah, he's an incredibly clever person. Um, I was thought it very strange. He never quite got his nose sorted out though. Um, I don't know if you've looked at pictures of his, but his nose. I mean, I've got a slightly skew nose, but his okay. kind of almost goes off over to oh, his really? ear. So, um, so I yeah. I haven't thought too much about his nose, but I was, I was going to mention that earlier, actually, when I was saying about how social, socially awkward I was. And the things I would say, I, um, <laughs> I've become aware that I, more than most people, analyse faces okay. without meaning to. I just, uh, that's what I pick up on. Some people notice people's shoes and what they're wearing. For me, I have no idea what people wear, but I, I will. <laughs> I will notice just facial features and proportions and things like that. But clearly, I'm not as good as I thought I was because I did not know about Stephen Fry's nose. Yeah, um, it's, quite, it's quite obvious. Yeah. But okay. I, should I ask about my face then? Sorry? Should I ask about my face then? Have you analysed oh, yeah. my face? Perfectly proportioned. <laughs> I've learned my lesson from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> A few bags under my eyes these days. Uh -huh. but, uh, yeah. So we've got two. So we've got Anthony Hopkins and we've got Stephen Fry so far. Mm -hmm. Who are your other two? I think I'm going to have to invite Carol Vorderman. Okay. My, my long, my crush from my childhood. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> From way before, I should have been old enough to uh, to have a crush on on anyone. But yeah, learning my times tables through her. Yeah. And, uh, a little VHS video we we pushed into the the VCR. Um, and then lastly, um, lastly, it would have to be someone funny. I think maybe a good. Russell Howard. Yeah, good old Bristolian. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's an exceptionally good comic actually. It's, uh, I study um, comedians quite a lot. Um, and their technique and how they do things and how they perform on stage, their timing. Um, and Russell, yeah, he's exceptionally good. Um, mm. Yeah, he hasn't been around doing too much over the last few years I've seen. No. But, uh, yeah, he did this. for the last two years, but um, yeah. I, I went to see him a very long time ago in Cardiff. And uh, I, yeah, he was, he was pretty amazing. It's always amazing when they, fin when they do a bit of audience interaction mm -hmm. and you just know it's something that couldn't have been planned before and they're really off the cuff and and still manage to be really humorous so yeah it's it's an exceptionally good skill you have to think very quickly on your feet um and uh, yeah the comedians get very quick at it how to put down uh, hecklers and that type of thing um they're very very good indeed so um so obviously you're dancing a lot of the time what do you love to do outside of dancing then um, I'm quite dance-obsessed, to be honest. Um, <laughs> outside of dancing, it would be the relaxing stuff. It would be um, socialising with friends, uh, watching movies, I guess, um, uh, and just doing things that are physical, maybe in the outdoor world, going for walks, um, sometimes exercising, um, although I've let that slip quite a lot. <laughs> well, obviously, um, getting out of shape is outrageous. Obviously, you might obviously. not be still, but it's happening. <laughs> so what's your favourite movie, then? Uh, favourite movie? That's a really hard one. Um, it's probably either one called Warrior. Okay. Uh, Make a note. Is... Oh. <laughs> no, 
never heard of that uh, one. I don't so. spoil anything. Two two brothers estranged enter a, a, a national competition with all the best uh, mixed martial arts fighters. Okay. Um, and it's to win a big sum of money. And they've both got background stories going on that kind of uh, kind of builds up at the same time as the fighting competition. Okay. Is, uh, don't, yeah. don't tell me anymore. I, I, I love to watch films where the director tells me what's happening. I'm not a big fan of watching Sorry. the trailers, for instance. No, it's fine. What you've told me there is fine. Um, okay. But so, yeah, I, I love to know a kind of very short premise of a movie. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I, I like also love another... 21 Jump Street. Oh, yeah. It's a comedy. Guys go back to high school. Uh, undercover. I'll leave it there. I know that one. It's good fun. That is, <laughs> that is a good one. So, um, so yeah, personality-wise, then we all are different on the dance scene. Um, so, which of your personality traits do you think is your best personality trait? Um, it, it's been something I've been thinking a lot about over sort of developing my business. Um, but it's it's got to be my confidence. Okay. Um, or my projection of confidence, I guess, my outgoingness. Um, and it's it's kind of a, it's linked in it's tied into to my dancing I guess and it's sort of created from the dance world and the dance scene. Um, so so yeah, being outgoing and confident. Yeah, it's I may, I know a lot of people. So a lot of comedians, for instance, they have what's called the clown syndrome, don't they? In regards, to they portray this amazing confidence, but inside, quite often, it's not necessarily that case. But uh, I don't think that's necessarily the case with you. you do seem to be. <laughs> Just I, I don't around. think I necessarily flip from extremes, but I do. No. I do consider it a bit of a persona. I do think it is. Um, I become a bit of an, a character, or I find a bit a different side of my identity when I'm around certain friends and certain environments and whatnot. And when I go dancing, that's definitely one of them. Um, but I, I used to have it with my best friend at school. So um, together, we were just very silly. Yeah. It's a theme, a theme of. of uh, of my life I'm starting to realize um, and yeah and I just felt I could be me around him and I think there were years that went past when we went to university and went our separate ways uh, where I kind of didn't realize I was sort of losing touch with my fun side a little bit uh, until we met up and having met up with him I sort of I came out of my shell a bit more and I was like well I think I probably haven't been myself for a while and okay it's, it's nice to be reunited with you know the me who feels free enough to be myself no, that's, I think that's a really lovely story. It's, um, yeah, I think everybody needs to be, I'm reading a book at the moment, which is called The Art of the Impossible or Reaching the Impossible, something like that. And it's, um, it's all about that you can do anything. Um, you know, like the four minute mile was unachievable, that type of thing, or s surfing a 50 foot wave. You know, all of those things are achievable, um, although they seem impossible at the time. And uh, yeah, I think for our, for our own selves to be, um, to make ourselves the best we can be, we have to try and reach those impossible heights if we possibly can. So, um, so yeah. Now, something which we, I know we have discussed before is, uh, and people have seen you doing this on dance nights, but they won't necessarily be aware of it too much, is the, uh, is the diabetes side of you as well. Now, I'll be mm -hmm. honest, I don't know a great deal about diabetes, apart from that sometimes overweight people can get it and that type of thing. But, uh, but yeah, so can you tell us a bit more about that side of things? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's two types. Well, there's multiple types of diabetes. Um, and I think the media always talks about one, which is um, more, more often associated with being overweight, uh, but not exclusively, which is type 2 diabetes. And I've got type 1. Um, so, yeah, when I was 13, I um, had some hideous time. I was going to school every day and uh, drinking loads of water, having to leave to go to the toilet throughout like different lessons as well as lunch times and break times. And I was drinking more and more, going to the toilet more and more. Um, and just always feeling a bit, a bit rough. Uh, no idea why. Uh, had no idea why. And um, and I was started taking two bottles of water to school. I was getting up multiple times in the night, drinking and weeing. And it was it turned out to be a symptom of of type one diabetes when your sugar level was going high, uh, because you don't have the insulin to, to sort of uh, take the sugar to where it needs to go to be burnt. Um, and yeah, so I had a really horrible time initially for a few months. My sugar level went up to 66.8 um, or thereabouts, which is ludicrously high because someone okay. who's non-diabetic, normally their sugar would be about four to seven. Okay. Measured. 
So 66 is, uh, you're going to be feeling pretty ill. Um, so yeah, but ha having found out I was diabetic, um, I embraced it because it was quite a relief to have a solution to this month or however long it had lasted of just feeling so bad. Um, but it means that when I eat uh, food, particularly sugars and carbohydrates, I need to inject. Um, some people wear a pump, and I've wore, wore a pump before for a long time, which is something you stick to your body and it has a cannula going in and it delivers insulin to you. Um, but currently I'm back on my injection pens, so I get pen, screw on a needle and give myself some insulin. Um, it can be quite difficult to manage, it has been mostly for me because I, some days I exercise lots and that burns loads of sugar and other days I'm quite inactive and then some days I'm eating lots and some days I'm not and having, having not a sort of set standard routine in terms of eating and exercising makes it more challenging um, because you've got to try and balance your, your sugar intake with your insulin um, and obviously other things affect your burning of sugar, like having a hot bath or exercising or being stressed um, or being tired. So it, it can be quite, quite a, a difficulty in life, I've got to say, 21 years later. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, say, I don't know a lot about it, apart from, I say, see the odd person injecting on sometimes. Um, mm. And it's, I think it's really interesting to hear about it. It's, uh, you know, but again, it goes to show, obviously, you're in great physical shape and you do the job that you love to do, um, you know, going alongside being diabetic as well. Just goes to show you can yeah. do anything. Um, so, yeah, I think you're an inspiration yeah. to us all, Matt. I like to think so. Although I think if someone saw my sugar levels, <laughs> the way the diabetes nurse saw my long term sugar levels, they might be like, mm, not so inspiring. I, I do manage, but um, yeah, I do struggle with it. It is something that that gets in the way quite a lot. So there are people on the dance scene who said, I've never seen you off the dance floor without food in your hand or in your mouth, um, mm. which was always very true. I don't know if it is anymore, but I always used to be dancing like crazy. Still true. Um, and then eating to compensate for that like crazy as well. Yeah. So, uh, so getting the balance right. No, it must be very difficult. But um, but yeah, thank you for for sharing that part. So we're moving on to dancing then. We spoke a lot about dancing. That's why we're here. We all love dancing. So, so tell us how you got into dancing and, uh, and how you started then. Um, I grew up doing tap and modern. So I followed my sister into the dance school. Um, she was a few years older than me and she was dancing. And I think uh, it became obvious to my parents that I was trying to join in uh, when I was just a, a toddler. So then I was taken dancing. Um, I sort of lost touch with it when I was about 11, 13. I sort of decided that I could make my own decisions and decided to stop doing the tap and the modern. Um, and then some sixth form friends a few years later uh, found a Ciroc via uh, a busk. So someone was in Oxford doing a, a sort of um, an advertisement, I guess, by dancing, um, dancing modern jive in the street. Um, and some friends were on holiday in Oxford, came back to our school and said, oh, we, we researched and there's one close to us. And uh, I went along with them. Um, and there it is. Um, and I haven't stopped since. I've been obsessed with modern jive for <laughs> since I was about 17 and I'm now 34. So half my life. Half your life dancing. Half my life, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, needless to say, the dance itself has evolved over the years. Um, Hasn't it just? Yeah. So 17 yeah. years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So that's what, mid 2000s. Yeah, it was still quite roundy roundy at that point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely got evolved to being slightly more slotted over the last 10 years or so, I think, as, uh, as uh, yeah, being the change. So which dance do you prefer, the roundy roundy or the slotted one? Oh, I think I think all dances should be embraced. <laughs> um, I'm, Very politically I'm, correct. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I'm much more into the slotting. Um, I think it's uh, it's become more the culture, especially since, since Silk was introduced formally um, in the Ciroc world. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think there are certain dance sort of music. I think it's easier to dance to faster songs if you're doing modern jive, if you're dancing a bit more roundy-roundy and a bit less slotted. I think it's easier to, to sort of do, do more turning. Uh, or less turning because you can't complete the turn in time to the musical beat um, if you uh, if you lose a slot and put in some of the more old school moves that are a bit more twisty turny and a bit less fluid and a bit more 
stretchy, stretchy. Yeah, do you know what? You've made me think about it then. Going back to rock and roll dancing, for instance. So average BPM of rock and roll track would be 160, 170. Um, and yeah, it's a very roundy, roundy style of dance. And for me, all dancers are correct. There's no one dance that's better than any other dance. You just personally prefer a style of dance. Um, and yeah, that's a really good point then, that you only have to do quarter of a turn if you're doing rotational dancing. If you're turning or spinning the ladies, they are traveling less. And obviously when it's much quicker, that then fits. Whereas obviously in a slotted dance, they have to do 180 degree of a turn or a spin or 360. So that takes longer. And therefore that's why it's more suited to the slower style of music. It's almost like it makes sense. <laughs> almost. And how long have you been teaching for them, Matt? Um... I think informally, uh, someone asked me to teach um, about 12 or 13 years ago. They just good. said, you're a good teacher, I can learn from you. And I looked at them just like, uh, I mean, I, I, can, I can dance okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing in regards to teaching. Um, but we, we had some lessons and I was able to transfer some of, some of my knowledge and pass it on. Um, and it, I guess it cascaded a bit. So people have asked me since if I'm a teacher. Quite often I said, no, goodness no, I don't have any confidence in that area. I wouldn't know the first thing, you know, the first thing about what to do. Um, and then I was brought along to one of the local classes and asked to teach beginners. And I was taught by someone called Sharif. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Sharif. How he teaches. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I taught some classes there. And then, yeah, later down the line, I stopped the, the classes and it just became the one-to-ones or the one-to-twos where I'm helping couples or individuals yeah. And uh, I, I love seeing so the videos that I've watched of you are quite a lot of it is solo dancing as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I remember seeing the one of the ones which uh, was your contemporary that was done in that very room that you're sitting in now. And uh, and I was looking at it going, I can't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I need yeah, I think I need to come um... to your classes. <laughs> Yeah, I am um, for a long time. I'm really into all dances. So, um, so modern jive is obviously my, my main thing and my niche and what I prefer most. But I, I love dipping into different styles. So, so what, different styles do you, what different styles do you do then? <laughs> I can't say I, I do them. I've, I've tried them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have been to ballet classes, contemporary classes. Um, obviously, the tap and the modern I've gone back to at times, street dance. Um, I've dipped in a tiny bit into popping and hip hop. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I'm sure someone once bought me, um, a fun class in London somewhere, um, for my birthday present, which was like a, they bought it for me as like a gift card or a voucher or something. And, uh, and it was, um, oh, I'm trying to remember what they called it. It was something like Disco Diva. Okay. And I think, I think it was all ladies in heels, um, and me, and there was a lot of strutting, um, and yeah, and just going quite nuts. And I think a lot of, uh. A lot of males in my position might have freaked out by being in that room, but... Um, Not you. <laughs> it was something worth embracing. <laughs> it's more fun to just embrace it, yeah. Bring out the feminine sometimes. It's, uh, it's good. Well, you know, the, I love the fact that uh, we've moved over from men and ladies to lead and follow now. And uh, I did a specialist class a few weeks ago saying, you know, sometimes as the leader, you are the leader and sometimes you're the follower within the same dance and uh and yeah i love doing the follow part and, and i should say embracing the feminine side of it because standardly you know ladies do the follow and men do the leads but it's uh it's a part of dancing which i think we need to move much more on in that who's doing the lead who's doing the follow sex kind of should become irrelevant at some point mm -hmm. which uh, i would love it to go down that line much more i think we've got a long way to go yeah um, yeah there's, uh, there's definitely more people be becoming interested in leading when they're, uh, when they're ladies and following when they're men. Yep. Um, and actually, I've started doing private lessons with someone recently who's a male who wants to learn to follow. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the reasons is you can, you can, it can benefit your, your default. So if you are a male who has always led, I think if you learn to follow, you can become a better leader and vice versa. It gives you a bit more empathy and a bit more understanding of how it feels on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was helping a chap on Sunday and uh, I was trying to explain to him because he was going slightly ahead of the beat that what you need to look at is my right foot as the followers. I'm stepping back. You've got to wait for me to step back before you then start leading. And that was then hopefully keeping him a bit more on time. Um, so, yes, definitely understanding since I've had my little studio here, I spent about six or seven years literally studying being a follow. 
and uh, it's definitely made me a much better lead. Um, so yeah, anybody out there that's listening or watching, do the other side. It will improve your, as you say, your default position tenfold, <laughs> I reckon. It really, really will. So, um, so yeah, I remember seeing one of your cabarets um, that you did with the lovely Jenny, which involved a lot of tap and a lot of old, styly dancing, 1930s style dancing. And I love that cabaret of yours, if I'm honest. So what's your favorite style to dance? Um, mm, you have to pick one. Uh, I think I like funky dancing the most. Okay. Um, but in terms of where I think I sit on the ability level of solo funky dancing compared to other things, <laughs> I'm definitely down there rather than up here. Right. Um, so, but uh, when music comes on with a bit of a funky beat, I, I just can't, can't not move to it. Um, it. It gets me going much more than other genres of music, so I definitely prefer the funky stuff. So more funky rather than lyrical? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. i say I've seen some of your contemporary stuff as well, as I say, and that looks, that looks amazing. Um, but yeah, you can definitely move your body in different ways, can't you? You're, uh, you're very much in control of that. So what do you think makes a great dance teacher? A great dance teacher? Um, patience, um, being diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I, I think for me, sometimes it's, um, it's, it would be much easier to be direct, but obviously there's an element of being too critical. You don't want to put anyone down or make them feel like you're just sort of being patronizing. So um, I think saying things in a nice way, um, and actually giving, telling someone what they're doing well as well as not doing so well mm -hmm. um, is, is very easy to say, well, I'm teaching you, we're going to learn this, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong. And for someone to go away feeling horrid. Um, and I'm sure I've been that person who's gone away feeling horrid um, from dance classes and whatnot. Um, so I definitely feel that sort of a bit of a, a boost, a confidence boost in telling people what they're doing well, um, as well as sort of focusing on also honing in on uh, things that they want to learn and want to improve on as well. I think it's always important to know what you are doing well. So if I use golf as an analogy. Um, and my golf pro that I have lessons with, he, he does an MOT for me every year. And literally just looking at my grip to my stance to position of everything. And then you can kind of tick those off going, yep, all of those are okay. And now I need to work on these bits. But if you're always unsure about which bits you're doing well, then you're always thinking, am I doing that bit well as well? As, as well so um so yeah i think it's a nice a nice way to do it and what do you love about teaching people then so you've got very different you're not necessarily on stage that often are you these days um i know you do big bath bash and that type of thing but um but you're much more on a one-to-one -one level so what do you love about teaching um uh for me there's a part of the analytical i love to pick things apart a little bit um and that's that's grown on me over the years i've become better at doing it um, and that's just really good. Uh, in terms of the interaction with someone, it's really nice to um, see them sort of things clicking in place for them, uh, see them grow in confidence, um, see how they respond when you've given them some advice and they've worked on it and they've improved and just having that rewarding sense of, yeah, you're, you're there, you know you're good and you know that you can see that you can improve and it, it's a good feeling to have. So having that sense of reward that someone is improving and enjoying their dance. Um, and I think that's what it should be about. I think people are dancing to enjoy themselves. And I think sometimes they get lost in uh, dancing better and, yep. you know, being dancing a certain way. So for me, it's really nice to, um, to sort of help someone overcome that a little bit. Yeah, I love seeing people, I've, I've used this phrase a few times, certainly from the follow perspective, turn from being a pussycat into a tiger. <laughs> and I quite like that, that thought that they come in quite meek and then leave going yeah. like so. Um, so, yeah, that's probably going to be the YouTube clip, by the way, me, do, me doing that. <laughs> it always picks up, always picks up some strange things. <laughs> right. Now, this is my favorite question out of every question that I ever ask. OK, so if 100 percent is the ultimate dancer, therefore you can dance every dance perfectly. Okay, nobody's ever going to be there. Okay, where would you put yourself percentage-wise on that level? Uh, somewhere between, I think, ballpark about twenty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of perfection, that's uh, that's long become a a something I've perceived and and realised that is just not uh, well. A, it's a myth to be perfect. Yeah, you can't be perfect. Um, 
And dance is an art form, so therefore there's no perfect mm-hmm. dancer. Yeah, but I, I've also long learned to not strive for perfection as well. I think it's, it's quite important not to. And actually, I think on the flip side of that, I've actually improved more when I've been focusing on having fun and enjoying mm-hmm. myself. And I think that's where most of my dance progression has happened, um, is just experiencing music and being in love with it and enjoying the dance and like that sort of play you do with your partner. Where yeah. there's a sort of a dance interaction as well, I think that's um, that's an area where improvement can happen without trying to improve so much. Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about the the wonderful world of of plateauing, you know, and every single dancer will go through that, you know. And I mean, I've been going now for twenty five years, and I reckon I've had at least twenty five plateaus in those years. Um, and I always know, and it's a really hard place to be because you're like feeling a bit. Uh, down on yourself sometimes and things aren't quite going exactly as you want them to go and I always say to somebody when they come into the studio you're actually in the best place ever because you're now going to make some changes you're now wanting to do something different and when you do those things you'll then improve even more the trouble is you feel really rubbish at the time Um, so have you had many dance plateaus in your in your lifetime then oh yes oh yes Um, (laughs) yeah you want me to discuss them? <laughs> well, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd um, love to know really what you did to to change that feeling. Yeah, I think um, I haven't always at the time been able to see the wood for the trees when I'm dance plateauing. I just feel very horrible in myself, not really sure on a good solution. Um, but having come out the other side of them um, and having sort of thought about them a bit more, I feel like it's uh, it's really good to sometimes move sideways, get a new experience, mm-hmm. or put yourself in a different. Uh, a different place, uh, a different environment, and that might mean going to a new class and dancing with different music and different people, or it might be trying a different form of dance before yep. then returning to modern jive, for example, and having a few extra strings to your bow. Um, one of the most creatives of creative I've ever been in the last few years uh, was when I went to a Zook weekender. Mm-hmm. Um, now I still, to this day, after three weeks of intense zooking cannot zoot to save my life but okay. uh, it was it was new music um, and it, it yeah it just put me in a different mindset for so long for such an intense period that when I went back to the modern jive world I suddenly do all these new moves complicated moves and hand positions and handholds that I would never go into normally um, and hearing different parts of the music I guess as well um, and, I, and I wasn't aware of how, <laughs> how I was doing it it just sort of yeah creativity just oozed out of me for uh, for the next couple of weeks um, and I think it was just having gone away, something new, you know, get some, blow some cobwebs out of the, uh, of the brain and, um, and c- come back to, to what you do and what you love doing. Um, after it's always new. a hard thing, isn't it? When somebody says, and I'm part of the marketing committee for Ciroc, and, um, you know, when somebody says, what is Ciroc? or what is Modern Jive, or what is Rock or any of the dance organizations, you know, that run the partner dancing that we do. And it's almost an impossible thing to describe what we do. Um, There's no right or wrong answers, no right or wrong way to do it. And what I love about our dancing is that, you know, if you look at Zouk, for instance, it's a very pigeonholed dance. It's a certain type of music, certain types of movements, and I love it. And similar to yourself, I've done a very small amount with Echo, um, and I am genuinely embarrassing at it. Um, So it's it's not my forte, although I'd love to do more of it. but what I love about what we do is that you can play one song and then play a completely different song and dance the same dance, but have a completely different feeling about it. So, yeah, do loads of different dance styles and bring them all into what we do. Um, it's what I try and encourage everyone to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, whether they've gone off and done tango or ballroom or West Coast or Zook, or whatever it is. Yeah, do it all. I'm not. Yeah, I want everybody to bring all of those experiences to, uh, mm-hmm. to the dance that we do. Cool. So talking about music then, we're on to a bit of music. All right. So I ask all of my guests what their favorite song is to dance to, to listen to, and which song has had the most impact or importance of their life. So tell me about the first song, Matt, that it's your favorite song to listen to, I think, is the first one we did, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, the first one uh, is uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Okay, and why is that then? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just love it. It, um, it just has this feel-good uh, feel feel to it. Um, 
and uh, I think I must have first heard it as a uh, sort of 10 year old or teenager um, and I just fell in love with it and uh, every time I listen to it it's just I just want to bop along and um, the lyrics are quite encouraging as well you know let's have a little listen in the shed <laughs> <laughs> let's have a little listen then somebody wants told me the world is gonna roll me I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed she was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Very good. There's All Star by Smash Mouth. I have to say, when you sent it over to me, I was thinking, I don't think I know that song, but uh, but I do know that song actually pretty well. And it is a, it's a cool song. It really is. So what's your favourite song to dance to then? Um, so there's a, a really funky one that was uh, in the movie Step Up. Okay. By P.T. Pablo, and it's called Show Me The Money. And I, I, again, I'll be honest, I'd never heard of this song, and you've <laughs> been to lots and lots of my events, and yet you've never requested this track. H how do you think that would have gone down in your event? <laughs> I reckon, well, we'll have a listen to it. I reckon it'll be good. Yeah, okay. it's coming up to a new event when, whenever you're next there. So let's have a listen. This is definitely the wickedest thing I've ever in my life. So there's Show Me The Money by Petty Pablo. There's my BBC Radio voice coming out there. Don't, not sure why I did that. <laughs> BBC Radio 2. Anyway, okay. I like that track. I reckon that'd be a good track. Okay. Next chill out. I wouldn't say necessarily for a, a main room that would go down that well. But, um, okay. but yeah, for a chill out track, absolutely. We'll have a listen to that. Cool. And then the hardest one, the hardest question, I think, for everybody is the song that's been most important to you or had an impact and why? Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, it's one by Shania Twain called Man, I Feel Like a Woman, which okay. I think everyone in the world knows. Um, and it's, uh, it was, we had a cassette tape in my mum's car of Shania Twain, Come On Over, or whatever the album was called. Um, and uh, back in the days where cassette tapes were a thing and you had to rewind them and or turn them over and then play them the other side um, and I think it must have been one of the only cassette tapes she had and uh, during the time of my parents divorce everyone was very miserable um, and it was uh, it was one of the few things that felt like I was sort of connected to uh, to my parents they were obviously going through en enough of their own their own stuff going on to um, for me and my sister to be you know the the point of focus at that time shall I say so it was really nice that when my mum was giving me list places, um, that we would uh, we would listen to all the Shania Twain songs from the album on repeat, um, and we would I would sort of encourage a bit of karaoke, um, and we would yeah we would sing along, and um, and that was one that sort of put a smile on my mum's face during a really hard time, and it was also one where I felt like me and my mum could kind of, you know, enjoy something together during that hard Aww. time. That's lovely. Would this be your karaoke song then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm not going to sing. <laughs> Let's um, have a listen. Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. Going to let it all hang out. Want to make some noise. Really raise my voice. Yeah, I want to scream and shout. There we go, Shania Twain, man, I feel like a woman, blimey. <laughs> used to be a stalwart every single night. I used to hear that when I started dancing, and I don't think I've played that song for a while. But, uh, <laughs> next time you're in the main room, that's it. It's coming on for you. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's still a popular song. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those songs that you don't hear very often at dancing anymore. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, they were very good, very different songs as well. Yeah, yeah, they are. Which is all good. So we are on to the quick fire round then. Okay, so yeah. just a few quick questions. Again, they're still the same questions I've asked everybody, all right? So, and I'm looking for inventiveness and in the last one. So, favourite ice cream? 
Chocolate. Chocolate's good. What's wrong with chocolate? Why why is it feeling bad about chocolate? I mean, I, you said quick fire and then it it took me seconds to pull an uh, uh, ice cream flavour on my head. That's why I did the, the wince. I like, okay. Wow. When I say quick fire, we, we can still chat. It's fine. Okay. okay it's it, it's just I'm um, not spending four hours rabbiting on about <laughs> nothing. So are you clean or messy? What would Fran say? <laughs> Fran would say messy. Right. I would say extremely clean. My, yeah. my, my reasoning for this is because when I get cleaning, I'm so meticulous that it takes me a very long time to do it. Okay. Um, whereas when most people clean, they just go, done, it's good enough. Whereas yeah. I'm like, oh, I see a bit more in the corner and oh, I have to perfect everything around the room now. So, uh, so sometimes I have to avoid cleaning altogether to then not spend hours cleaning. Okay. So it's, it's, yeah, messy due to being too clean. <laughs> That's definitely a different answer. Uh, love or hate roller coasters? Uh, love. Favourite uh, roller coaster? Have had, have had glasses fall off a right. long way down um, before. Um, have been sick. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, on, on the whole, um, love them. I went from though being a kid who was too afraid to go on roller coasters to being an adult who has no fear but very much nauseated after the experience. So I've never really got on too well with them because I've either been too afraid or too sick. For sure. I can give you a tip for that. Oh yeah? And that is take travel sickness pills. Okay, they and have that, some powers. And I, the only downside to the, uh, the good travel sickness pills is they do make you slightly drowsy. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like drowsy going on roller coasters, but not feeling sick. So yeah, I have, I, I get really motion sickness. Um, right. Just, I can look at, at a tree when I'm, if I'm in the passenger seat in the car and feel very sick. So I get it really bad. Um, but yeah, I take travel sickness pills before I go to Alton Towers or Thorpe Park or somewhere like that. And uh, yeah, I don't get sick all day. So, uh, so yeah, maybe it's in the mind, I don't know. But uh, no. yeah, travel sickness pills. Okay. So excluding social media. Okay, what is the phone app that you use the most? Um, is there a game you play that you're kind of like, I really shouldn't say it, but I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would be Netflix. Okay, um, no, we can't have social media or watching anything, so oh. something different. And it can't be Waze to show me which way I'm going? No, it can't be Google Maps or anything. No. No. Um, Do you not have any embarrassing game that you play on your phone? No, no, Do I don't play games. Okay. I'm, I'm not really a gamer. Fair um, enough. Not even a, a, you know, Bejeweled or whatever it's called. <laughs> Candy Crush. Candy Crush is the, what yeah. What are the cool kids playing now? I don't know. That's, that's how not a gamer I am. Um, uh, what? I, I should find out for you. I could ask my phone. Um, no, that's okay. Yeah, not YouTube. No. Yeah, it's all about the social media for me. Uh, probably Fair enough documents google docs okay making lists right i'm a, I'm a list person and uh, yeah that that would be it <laughs> fair enough you're the first person not to have a game so uh, well, I, I have many games that are mighty embarrassing to play so uh, oh, so yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> um, right coffee or tea coffee coffee sugar no no sugar i've tried recently to cut sugar out but i've gone back to having sugar again it's, I started uh, liking coffee two years ago. Okay. At the necessity of falling asleep behind the wheel, um, or nearly falling asleep behind the wheel, and then I had to have coffee. And then one day I like I was always disgusted while drinking it, just like oh it's horrible. I have to have it. And then one day I just I was sat at my desk doing something, and I was like, hmm, I've got a hankering for some coffee. How weird is that? I hate coffee. And then I drank coffee, and apparently I I really enjoy it. To be fair, I think I was weaned on because I used to get a sugary Costa coffee that had all kinds of stuff put in there. Yeah. Um, and that probably like sort of got me onto the, the drinking, the, <laughs> you know, the bitter thing that is coffee. But yeah, I enjoy it now. No, I, it's, uh, I, I use the Nescafe Azira. And I always find that oh. so, for instant coffee, it's not that far from proper good coffee. Um, no, and it's not it's quite cheap as well, which is quite nice. So your favourite TV programme, you watch Netflix, so we know that much. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm on Breaking Bad. Okay. Which, which series? Sorry? Which season? Oh, uh, only on season one, I think. Uh, season two. Okay. Maybe like four episodes in or something. Yeah. Um, 
I won't give anything away. I've also no, started okay. watching something that you recommended. Which oh, is really? Atypical. Ah, oh, love Atypical. So me and Fran are watching that, and it's it's yeah, we're loving it. Yeah, it's a brilliant program. I think there's a new season coming out actually soon. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a brilliant program. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to watch everything about it. It's always interesting seeing people, how autistic people, how they're portrayed in the media. Um, mm -hmm. so there's a great phrase I did once. I, uh, I did a course once about autism, and uh, the opening line was, when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, because no two autistic people are the same. Um, there's yeah. no one thing they kind of go, oh, they're obviously, because everyone's on the spectrum slightly differently. So, uh, so yeah, it's quite interesting, that bit. And my last question for you then, Mevans or Matthew Evans. Are you a Matthew? Do you ever get called Matthew? <laughs> one person calls me Matthew, and that's the one who named me Matthew. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it makes, me, it makes me cringe a little bit when people call me Matthew. Does it? I, I shan't call you that then, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so if you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would you be and why? Weird question, I know. Ooh. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, I like the idea of flying. Okay. I would definitely be... Do flamingos fly? <laughs> flamingos do fly. Yes, I'm pleased sure. Flamingo. Translucent. Flamingo. Flying. Also, they do. I watched a bit of David Attenborough. They do amazing dance where they all run along in the water. Okay. And it's worth watching David Attenborough just for that flamingo scene. He puts some nice, cool classical music in the background, and it just, it's 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 funny. It's amusing. It's I will look it up on okay. YouTube, of course. <laughs> so, uh, so you're going to effectively be a dancing bird. That's what you're going to be. <laughs> so you're coming back in your next life as an animal, but still a dancer. There we go. Which Maybe is, you can side somewhere that is a flamingo. <laughs> well, you're quite tall, aren't you? So there how tall? You're quite tall. How tall are you? Um, well, I'm about five, ten and a bit and a half. Are you really? Five, that ten must... and a half and a bit. That must, well, I've always thought you were taller than that, because that must make me very short then. But uh... It's my hair. I just try and stand it up. Yeah, I've, I've tried to copy your hairstyle today, actually. Just I've got a little bit more grey in my hairstyle, but oh, I thought, right, which hair... You've got a little bit more hair as well. You're doing, you're doing very well. I'm very fortunate. My, my grandfather, when he died in his mid-80s, he still had a full head of hair, and both grandfathers did. So, uh, so yeah, it's never something I'm worried about, losing my hair. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I've always got lots of hair. It's just gone grey over the years. I did diet for many years, but uh, I, I would I would take that. I would I would prefer grey hair over over no hair. You might see me in a couple of years, just bald all over. Really, Breaking Bad style. Yeah, it's gonna have to be a time where um where I. I Is there baldness it. in your family then? Yeah, yeah. My my uncle uh, lost his hair when he was in his twenties. Right. Um, and apparently he has long, luscious hair back in the day when mullets were popular. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then he lost his hair, and um, yeah, my, my dad's got some, but it's it, he's just clutching at straws. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to uh, Deej at the uh, the Southwest Champs, and he was saying that he used to have the little just the dot on the top, um, and eventually he thought it's all just gotta go. So uh, so yeah, but you don't look like you're receding particularly badly at the moment. Thank but, you. Uh, uh, yeah, he's still got a good head of hair as it is at the moment. So. That's some dot tip on the underneath the skull. That's it. Draw it. Draw it all in. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, I've, I'm. I have a lot of hair. I have to get my hair cut every three weeks. It grows very quickly. And uh, but there we go. Right, Matt. We're at the end. So thank you ever so much for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's. Um, thank great. you for sharing everything that you have shared. And uh, <laughs> and we will see you, no doubt, on the dance floor very soon. So this has been Life Off the Stage. I'm Richard Bovazan. My guest today has been Matt Evans. Thank you very much.